Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the Young Actors Theater Camp podcast. I'm AJ Hamilton, and I'm here with Sean Ryan and Valerie Dorr. Hello, sir. How are you this fine day? I'm doing just fine. Thank you so much. How are you doing? Like Scrooge realized there's still a world, and take this penance, penance, tuppence, take this tuppence (laughs) and pay a penance by a goose. Buy that fine goose. Well, we have an old-timey radio show, so welcome, everyone. <laughs> Excited to be here. It makes total sense that we would be dramatic, as this is a theater camp. Mm-hmm. Theater! Yes, indeed. Oh, my gosh. I'm more excited today just that we're, like, back. That we're back from oh, the I summer. Know. That, like, oh. I mean, we recorded all these amazing all these amazing interviews over the summer, and now here we are, <laughs> middle of September, and we're like, now we're going to get them all done thanks to AJ, which is just, yeah. it's just so great to be back. Absolutely. Back in the real world. There is amazing, amazing advice on all of these podcasts that are upcoming. If you want to be an actor, producer, director, anything in the arts, we have so many treats in store for all of you listeners. So buckle in. Who do we got today? Oh, today we have Christina Alabato. Oh my gosh. Now I saw Christina Alabato the first time in the Green Day musical. Oh, um, nice. Which, American Idiot. Yes, yeah. which I freaking just loved her in that. And then I got to see her as Gretchen Wiener, probably the best character in Mean Girls the Musical, and just was so blown away by her talent. Then we get her to Young Actress Theater Camp, and we find out she's also like the nicest human in the world. Oh, so kind, so giving. So funny, too. She's hilarious. And so great with all of our students. Like, it's rare sometimes to find someone who can teach as well as they perform and can communicate and work with young people. And she's just such a darling. She's so perfect and wonderful. We love her. Yeah, she was, she was truly everything that we could have wished for in in a masterclass teacher, (laughs) especially in like our first summer back where we got to have masterclass teachers come, you know, live and in person again and be there in the room. She was, I remember walking in on this, uh, well, of course, what, what we're all going to hear today is the Q&A, you know, sort of the moderated masterclass, but then we'd get to do workshops after, which sometimes we don't get to talk about, but I got to walk in during a workshop and she was just like up on her feet and she was like in like a, a splits pose and like throwing her arms out towards the kids. And I'm like, wow, she's a cartoon character incarnate. She was inspirational to all of those kids. It was fantastic. So we will, uh, we will hear all of those inspirational, uh, stories that she told and, uh, it's going to be fantastic. We hope that you enjoy this episode of the Young Actors Theater Camp Pod with Christina Alabato. Take it away. Enjoy. We are here at day seven of session one of the summer of 2020. It feels to us at sometimes like day 30, but only in the greatest ways because we've packed so much in. And we're so excited that you're here joining us I'm so today. I'm happy to be here. Did you come all the way from New York of the city? Yes, all the way from New York City. I was telling everybody that I didn't realize this was real life summer camp until I basically got here. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is actual summer camp. Oh, that's so funny. Um, in um, Better Nate Than Ever, which of course... I have to just admit, of all the Disney villains, you're the scariest Disney villain. You're a (laughs) casting director. I mean, you play it so well, and there are so many things in auditions, especially because I was a kid that auditioned a lot, 
that a casting director would say and you would just be like, they're so serious. They hate us. What's going to happen? <laughs> what was it like playing a casting director? I had so much fun. Did Have you all seen Better Nate Than Ever, right? You had a lot of us have night? seen it. We showed it this week. Oh, and I then love that. Some of us are staying for 20 days and we have um, Ruby Wood is coming in I know. I'm session. so excited, y'all. And he actually was funny. He thought and his mom thought that it was a not a, uh, a kids camp, that they thought it was like a conference sort of thing, you know, like a, oh. a training. And they were like, oh, well, maybe. And then Ruby found out it was a camp, and he was like, I want to go to camp. So <laughs> Exactly. Um, no, but Better Nate Than Ever was just the best experience. I had so much fun. Um, my audition was pretty much what you saw. Like, that was sort of my take on the character. The character description wasn't – it didn't necessarily say she was super sassy. I just sort of made a choice. Um, and I thought it would be funny to make her super just, like, over it. And, like, I improved a little bit in my self-tape at the beginning of the scene and at the end of the scene, um, talking to kids, yelling at kids in the back. Um, so I kind of made the tape my own. Yeah. And um, and it pretty much is kind of what I did in my tape is what happened in the movie. But I had so much fun. I just was like, it was just such a cool opportunity to be kind of like a, a little Disney villain. And then watching it in post with all the like Disney villain music behind me, I was yeah. like, oh my <gasps> gosh, this is like a total dream come true for me. <laughs> it was absolutely incredible. I'm so, well, I would say in the olden days, when I started coming up, it was like the 90s, and you still sort of had casting director nightmare stories. Mm -hmm. Then with the invention of social media, basically everyone stopped doing that, yes. and so everyone was pretty nice. Like Stuart, um, in New York, there's a musical theater casting director who, I don't know if he does this for everyone, but it was one of my first big New York auditions, and he came out into the waiting room, and he was like, Sean? I'm like, yeah, and he's like, are you ready to change the world with a song? Oh. And I was like... Why, yes, I think I am. Oh my gosh, I and will. it's so amazing as opposed to like, next, I know. You know, next. <laughs> well, that was what was fun about playing opposite Brooks, who was the other casting director, um, who is like a Broadway legend. And he is just so silly and fun. And the both of us together just got to kind of just have this like really fun rapport. And then working with Ruby was amazing. You all will meet him and he's the most professional. I mean, at the time we were shooting, I think he was 13 or 12. I don't exactly remember, but his professionalism at his age and with the pressure he was under for being the lead of a movie was amazing to watch. It was inspiring to me. Um, he would take notes like a total champ. Tim, our director, would be like, okay, can you try this, this, this? And he was always like, yeah, yeah, of course. Like, it never got to him. It was amazing. He's amazing. Let's talk about your start. We happen to be from the same town, which I is... I love that. I didn't know that. Kind of cool. Um, <laughs> what, when did the theater bug bite you for the first time? Yeah, so I grew up in Arizona, um, in Mesa and in Chandler. And my dad was a musician there. He um, sang with like a bossa nova band. And so I kind of grew up singing. Um, and I think once I got to Rhodes, actually, junior high, um, I, I didn't really know what musicals were. Both my parents are immigrants, so they did not know anything about musicals. Um, and that wasn't a part of our household. Um, but I learned about musicals in junior high, just at my public school. And I did a production of Damn Yankees in seventh grade because I was like, oh, I can sing and like be on stage. This is great. Um, what an amazing teacher to give seventh graders Damn, Damn Yankees. Yankees. I know. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I played Singing Girl too. I had one line. <laughs> but and, uh, ever since then, though, I haven't stopped. I just like found it to be so fun. My parents were always super supportive of me doing what I wanted to with my art. And, um, and I also was very driven um, at that age. I could tell that I was good, like not in a conceited way, just in a, like, oh, I have a good voice. Like, <laughs> I can work on this. And then I didn't really know anything about acting, so I really started learning about acting. And then um, I started taking dance, though dance is definitely number three on my list of things that I do. Um, but 
And then I just didn't stop from there. I kept going and I went to Arizona State University for musical theater um, for a semester. And then I booked the Spring Awakening tour in 2008. So I left school and How I've been working fun. since then. <laughs> How fun is that moment where you're like, bye college. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I was very driven. In high school, I said, I want to be on Broadway. I'm going to do anything and everything it takes. I'm going to work super hard. And when I got into school, I was going to graduate in three years. I wanted to get to New York as soon as I could. And then there was this open call for Spring Awakening at the time. Um, and I went and I got it. And I still, it was my first audition ever. Wow. Yeah. I had never auditioned for anything. And talk about that Spring Awakening tour. Was it, first of all, two big things, huge production and important production. Yes. And touring. What's touring life oh like gosh. on top of all that? Well, so I toured from 18 to 20. Um, okay. I booked that show when I was 18. Um, I was a swing. Does everyone know what a swing is? Yeah. Um, so that was my first job, the best first job I could have ever had because it taught me humility. It taught me grace. It taught me work ethic. It taught me to respect everyone in the show. And as I kind of moved into other roles in my career, the best thing was my foundation of being off stage as a swing because it really does teach you what this business is. And, um, all of my friends actually that started in that position have such a good perspective on what this is and what we do on stage. Um, but yeah, I toured for two years um, with that show. It was crazy. I kind of always say I went to Spring Awakening College because it felt like my college experience. I'm friends with those ki um, kids from then as if they were my college classmates. Um, and I learned so much from that whole experience. Um, I joined the union from that. So like everything kind of started with that show for me. Um, and that show's super special to me. They did the performance on the Tonys. I was like bawling yeah. because that was like everything to me, all of that. And I watched the Tonys like I'm sure you all did. And I went, I want to be in that show. That's how my dream for that show started. Me in Arizona and Chandler oh. on a 115 day, degree day in June. Regular day. Watching and being like, whoa, I've never heard of this show before. I feel like I belong in this show. My voice, I feel like everything about this is me. Yeah. And then... I was like, I'm going to be in that. I don't know how, but I'm going to. And I did. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> when you got the call for the first time to go on mm -hmm. in the tour as a swing, what was that like? Oh my gosh, it was crazy. So I covered all the women in the show, Venla, Elsa, Anna, Marta, and Taya. Wow. Um, which was great. I was technically um, half on stage I don't, in that production. Did you see it? Yes. Yeah, um, it's gorgeous. There was the on stage, like we were in like normal clothes and we'd mm -hmm. stand and do some songs. So I did get to do the show every night. Yeah. Um, but going on, on, um, I was so excited. I had been rehearsing for a long time. And, you know, I think when, I will say when we're younger, I think people are a little more nervous about calling out. Um, mm. I, like, because it feels like if I call out, someone's going to be better than me. It's just not about that at all. Yeah. Um, and you learn that as you get older. But I was on a tour full of 18-year-olds that were like, not knowing, none of us really knew what we were doing. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the best way. I think that's one thing that um, Kate Rockwell, who obviously you did Mean Girls with mm -hmm. for a long time, taught has taught the kids so many times of like, when you can't be the best performer you can be, you have to call out. Yes. Like, and of course, Kate being in a show where some people were younger than others, <laughs> you know, and, and some people were like, no, I have to respect what I'm going through and what my body's going exactly. through. Exactly. And if you push it, it'll just make it worse. So yeah. it is just better to say, hey, I have sick days for a reason. Um, I'm having a bad day today. I don't think I can bring my full self onto stage. Like, And yeah. so you get less precious about that the more you do this. And so because of how young we were, it took a long time for somebody to call out on that tour. Yeah. I think the first time I went on was like eight months into the contract, <gasps> which is crazy because I did Mean Girls for a year and I did it with a full company maybe once 
Because there were always people out. Always. <laughs> always. always. It was crazy. It wow. <laughs> so when you auditioned at 18 and you were on the road from 18 to 20, you hadn't even moved to New York yet? No, I had been to New York once with my high school. So okay. like I really was like <laughs> fresh. Um, I like... It, like, that's why Better Nate Than Ever makes me cry, because even yeah. though he was m younger in that movie, when I got to New York, it was exactly that experience for me. I was, like, living my dreams, and um, I was so starry-eyed, and I also still feel that way. I'm 32 now. It's been, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, and I still feel that way. Yeah. That has not gone away for me, which is why I think I'm still doing it, right. is I still have that feeling of, like, gratefulness, and um, I don't feel jaded which is great. I don't think I ever will. It's so special what we do. Yeah, it's insanely special. So when you le uh, were done with Spring Awakening, had you already booked something else or did you move to New York then and start another audition process? Yeah, so I, um, like I said, I, I was very driven and very motivated and like super understanding that the business is complicated, even at that age. And I knew, okay, cool, I have this big credit. I should take advantage of this because I have this big, you know, at the time in 2008, 2007, Spring Awakening was a huge, huge deal. It totally changed the landscape of musical theater and how we use our voices on stage, similarly to how Rent did before that. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew that that was a thing that I should use, that I just got off this tour. So I gave myself, I said, okay, Christina, you can move to New York, but you have to take classes. Because I was like, I still don't know what I'm doing. Right. Like, <laughs> you know. Um, and if I told myself, if you don't get a job in two years, that is similarly on par, then you're gonna go back to school. Um, and so I went and did like a bunch of EPAs and ECCs, and, uh, but then I got my Broadway debut like six months later in American, American Idiot. Idiots. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, and then I, I didn't, I've never looked back since then, so. American Idiot, what another amazing, um, you know, sort of innovative, something we had never seen before, really. Totally. Like that show just blew people's minds. I, I only got to, well no, actually I got to see it in Berkeley. Yeah, so, I saw it in Berkeley too. Oh, it was phenomenal. Well, because American Idiot, which is the Green Day musical, was um, directed by Michael Mayer, who did Spring Awakening. Oh, yeah. So when we were in, actually, honestly, when we toured through probably San Jose or somewhere around here, he canceled our Tuesday night show and bussed <gasps> the entire company of Spring Awakening to Berkeley Rep to see American Idiot, oh, which is when I fell in love with American Idiot. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this show is so cool. Um, and so it was really, I got really lucky that when we got back to the city, someone was leaving and got bumped into a different track and there was an ensemble track open. And oh uh, it happened really fast. Like I went into my audition, I auditioned and they called me like half an hour later and they were like, you're making your Broadway debut. And I was like, oh my gosh, I, I had just turned 21, I think. Like I was still like, oh my God, this is happening to me. It was crazy. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, so you do American Idiot for how long? Two? I did that for six months, then it closed and I went on the tour. Okay. So I, I toured again for another year. Wow. And you, we t you talked a little bit about tour life before, but I think sometimes what um, young performers don't understand is just exactly how taxing it can be. Totally. Because when you're off, you're actually technically moving most of the time. Exactly. Or can you tell us a little bit about like a schedule? Yeah. Touring life is particularly um, challenging because of that. So most of the time, Spring Awakening, we got, again, because Spring Awakening was a big deal, yeah. we got to sit down in places. So we would play, we played, you know, can't Toronto for six weeks. We played LA for six weeks. And that's awesome because then you're actually settled in, you have your day off. Yeah. But for most of the tours and specifically American Idiot and the second year of Spring Awakening, um, 
you do the show Tuesday through Sunday, eight shows. You go to bed on Sunday, you wake up on Monday, you're on either a bus or a flight going to the next city. You get to the city, you go to bed as fast as you can, the next morning you wake up, sound check, and do the show. So there's really no downtime. You don't have a day off because yeah. um, your day off is traveling. So it does get really taxing on your body, on your voice. So you have to like really learn how to take care of yourself mm -hmm. um, in order to be able to get through the show. Um, but I loved it and I think touring in my young, like my early 20s was like the best thing I could have done because right, right. I had the energy to do that. I don't know that I would um, do so well on tour anymore. I mean, I probably would. But well, and also okay, now but married. And yeah, I married have my life. Yeah, people like it changes in your 30s where you're yes. just like, oh, no, I have a different lifestyle that wouldn't really adapt to a tour so exactly. well. Exactly. I have a lot of friends that did tours whose partners ended up coming along on the tours as yeah. like merch people. Exactly. Or, which is kind of interesting. You're like, wow, the whole family's going on the road. <laughs> yeah, but I'm so glad that I toured when I did. And I also did the Avita tour in 2016. That was my last tour I did. Um, and then I was like, I think I need a touring break, but I'm really glad I did it. I saw the country yeah. um, and I loved all the shows that I got to tour, so. So, okay, I know I've put it off for so long. Tell us about Mean Girls. Oh my gosh, I Mean Girls. I mean, uh, just a revolutionary. I've seen it <laughs> six times. Really? I loved it absolutely. You were genius oh, in it, but I love that show so much. It oh has such a special place. My neighbors hate it because I just, when I clean my house, I just put it on and <laughs> sing top of my lungs. Um, tell us what it's like to get that role and to step yeah. into with a company that was there. Yeah, so I was a replacement in Mean Girls, which means that the OBC, the original Broadway cast, had been doing the show for a year, and then my dear friend Ashley Park, who played Gretchen Wieners originally, was leaving. Um, and you know, I when I got that audition, it was interesting because I always sort of thought I was a Janice. Because of my body of work, I had done American Idiot, like this punk musical, I had done the David Bowie musical off-Broadway. I was in all these like really grungy shows and I was like, oh, I'm probably a Janice. Yeah. And there's this thing that happens in New York that like you sort of get typed at the beginning for mm -hmm. a while. It takes a minute to get out of where they put you at first. So I was the girl that did all the like cool, weird rock shows. Um, and so when they called me in for Gretchen, I was like, is this right? I was like, sh and I and I, I was like, I called my agent and I said, hey, can we see if like maybe Janice or even Katie, like I feel like maybe Gretchen's not right. And casting called my agent back and said, Christina doesn't understand. She's literally perfect for Gretchen. She just doesn't even know it yet. And she was like, just have her look at the packet. And I was like, okay, I'll look at it. I looked at the packet and I was like, I am Gretchen Wieners. Like <laughs> it felt like a revelation. And um, for me and my audition process was super fun. Tina Fey was there with me and she was great. My goal in that audition was just to make her laugh once. I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna book this, but if I can make her laugh, I will have won. And, um, and you had obviously seen the show. I hadn't. You had never I seen it? I had not seen it. And so you got um, to bring a completely fresh take to your audition? Well, I knew I had seen things of it online. And I will say auditioning for a replacement is so different than auditioning for a show that hasn't been done yet. It exists how it exists, right? And I'm never gonna be able to play it like Ashley because I'm not Ashley, I'm myself. But there are things that are set up in the show that are what they are. So I did watch, um, I watched the section of the show that I could find because I didn't have time to go see it. Once I got the audition, it was like two days later and I was in a workshop or something, I couldn't even see it if I wanted to. But I learned like what the vibe was I actually also like blocking wise, I knew the door was over here. I knew that Regina was over here. And so it helped me because I've been in so many auditions as a cover where you make it your own, but also like you have to do the blocking. So I was like, oh, let me give them a like flavor of the blocking. Then I know the door's over here. And then I made it my own. 
I sang it a little poppier. I wasn't afraid to sort of be my authentic self because I was like, if I try to copy, I'm never going to get it. Um, and it went really well. And it felt like such a good fit. And I'm so glad that casting was like, no, 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 we've known her for years. This is the right fit. Um, and it was the best experience I've ever had. I loved Mean Girls. I loved it. And we heard from like every cast member that, that's taught here just that it was such a family. It was. That you all were so close-knit. These people are my best friends. Like my, and that doesn't happen all the time. I, when, we are, when you're younger, it does feel like you, you end up needing to be really close with everybody, which makes sense. But as you get older and you have, like you said, a husband and your life in New York, you go home after the show, you make some friends. Um, and I have friends from everywhere and everyone's nice to each other and it's wonderful. But I actually made like family best friends. And that's special because the older you get, sometimes the harder that becomes. And we all just really clicked. It was such, it was just the best. And the fans of the show are so wonderful and love the show. And being Gretchen, it was special to connect with young people because they really connected with, the song, with what's wrong with me. Um, and so I got to just being able to talk to young people about that song and like how it helped them through school or when they were feeling like they weren't enough. That was really special for me as someone that like takes that very seriously that, that we can do that with theater, you know? That show specifically too had such, um, had so many different voices mm -hmm. that got to speak in that show where sometimes I feel like a musical has a composer and a lyricist's voice, yes. and you're like, oh, this is a great show. But Mean Girls, I mean, just the lyrics alone, you know, you sit in every song and you're like, oh, I relate to all these characters so much. Yeah, I think that's one thing that they did that was so special from translating the movie into a musical is adding real true depth to these characters that they had the time to because of having the addition of songs, like, yeah. and really being able to see inside, you know, in the movie, you see Gretchen Wieners crack a couple of times and you see her sadness for like one frame, but in the musical, they were able to really give her her full time in that with her song, which yeah. was really cool to see on stage, um, to really see a fully fleshed out Gretchen Wieners. Yeah. Um, and maybe one of the only times where I've ever said I liked the musical more than the movie. I love like, that. <laughs> because the movie was really kitsch and fun, but the musical yeah. gave it a little more heart yeah. than I had seen it before. So it's sort of like the perfect rewrite for Tina Fey uh -huh. to like make it everything they wanted it to be, which was so cool. Um, tell us what you're working on now. I know, Ooh. but they don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just got back from Hartford Stage. Um, which is a regional theater in Hartford, Connecticut that does a lot of out-of-town tryouts, which is basically what happens. You take a show there before it comes to Broadway to work on it, to have people come see it. And um, this legendary comedian and actor, John Leguizamo, who I have always been obsessed with. <laughs> Ever since Tu Wong Fu. Oh my gosh. Like, who is that? I know, truly. Everything that person does, <laughs> I want to see. I'm trying to think of what younger people would know him from right now. He's a voice on... Encanto, I think, right? Yes, he's, and of course Ice Age. And Ice Age, yes. He's, um, but he's awesome. And he's had a lot of one-man shows on Broadway, but this is his first musical that he's ever written. He's not in it, but he wrote it. It's called Kiss My Aztec. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, it was so fun. Again, why I say you should stretch yourselves, my friends, is because there is no one type for you. Right. This character I played in Kiss My Aztec, her name is Colombina, and she's the exact opposite. If you could think of the most opposite character of Gretchen Wieners, it is this character in Kiss My Aztec. Nice. Um, which is so fun, because I think sometimes we feel like we can only do one thing, yeah. and we're all such multifaceted people. Um, and I have a lot of, there's a lot in me, and it doesn't just have to be one thing. Yeah. Um, and this was a totally different thing. I was a warrior, I was rapping, um, 
and it was such a cool experience. Um, I loved the show. It's a comedy farce in Elizabethan um, and modern language, so it was really silly. Wow. Um, and did the project just end recently? We like? ju- yep, I just got back to New York a couple weeks ago. Oh, wow. Um, and hopefully it'll transfer in the spring, we're hopeful. But, you know, theater's kind of crazy right now, so who knows? Yeah. But I'm, it, was, it went really well. The people that needed to see the show saw it, and um, it was a huge success. So hopefully you'll see it, you know, on Broadway soon. Fingers That's crossed. amazing. I could geek out all day. I feel like we should open it up. Do <laughs> any of you have any questions? Would it? Oh. I'm an open book. Okay. Okay. The greatest news is, um, like a lot of our guests this summer, Christine is being so gracious to stay for two days. So conservatory will get to come this afternoon and do either your 32 bar cut or your monologue. Maybe even scene work if you're open to seeing yeah, some scene. We just sort of say like, what do you want to put up? Yeah. And um, and then tomorrow all the other cabin groups will have Christina for a two-hour period, which is so amazing. Um, Lila, would you start our lineup? Hello. Hi, I'm Lila Sinback. I'm 14, and I was wondering, um, how do you deal with, like, audition nerves? Great question. And also, that's what we're going to be talking about very soon in um, my class that I'm teaching. But um, who's been nervous? I mean, everybody, (laughs) right? Like, I continually get nervous. Actually, my audition for Mean Girls, I was petrified because... It was a huge room of people, and I, I wasn't, I don't know, I was just freaked out, and yeah. Tina Fey, and also I didn't know any of the creative team. Um, and I have learned to try to see my nerves as I'm doing something right, because it means I'm excited, it means I care, mm-hmm. right? I sometimes feel like if I don't get nervous, something is kind of off. And I don't mean that to be like, if you don't get nervous, you're wrong, not at all. But I, there's something about that energy amp that happens before you do something scary, or mm-hmm. um, that I think is invigorating and when I started flipping it to feel that way instead of like so when my heart is going like this and my palms are sweating I try to see it as like I'm about to do something hard and face a fear and that's exciting and I want to do that forever right we have to do things that scare us um and I think there's a ton of things like also in the audition room like I've been known to like I'll do like push-ups in the corner to get my Mm. to get myself grounded again anything to get me right? Because the minute that you get nervous, our larynx, is ri- our larynx rises and everything gets all discombobulated. So anything to get myself calmed, calm. But I think knowing that it's okay to be nervous is like half the battle, right? That yes. so your biggest favorite Broadway stars that you love get nervous. And, yeah. um, and I think the ones that kind of succeed at it are the ones, like I said, that like breathe through it and know that it's okay. Um, to be nervous and that everything will be okay. And the worst thing that can happen is that you mess up. I've messed up on stage. I've forgotten lyrics on stage. I've gone up in the middle of a song. And then the show goes on, right? And yeah. you never do it again because you're like, I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and we'll talk more about that later too. Thank yeah, you. one of um, my dear friends said that if you can think of if you can think of it as a car and that you are driving the car to the audition, nerves can be in the car. They're just in the back seat. Yeah. They, you buckle them in in the child safety seat. They never get to drive the car. But they're that. there. So you can sort of just be like, oh, yeah, hey, nerves. Yeah, but hey. you're still in charge. You're in charge, yes. Hi, I'm Camilla Eiderwick. I'm 15. And my question is, um, do you have any tips for advocating for yourself and, like, sharing your needs to directors and, like, choreographers and yeah. music directors? That is a great question. Um, 
I think that it depends on the project. It depends on the room that you're in. I've definitely been in rooms with people that are not interested in hearing anything, which I think is actually less common now as we're starting to have more conversations about the fact that we're all human beings. Um, it, it's a little bit less. Um, when I first started, it was a little bit scarier, I think, to advocate for yourself. Um, and I feel like with as I've gotten older, it's gotten easier as well. And the fact that you're already thinking about that is so special at this age. Um, I think the thing to remember is if you lead with grace and kindness in everything that you do in this business, and remember that even the people that look like they're crabby or look like they're mean are just people too, right? Going through their own stuff just like you are. And I've found that the more you can operate on that, leading with grace, leading with kindness, even if the people on the other side aren't matching that for you, you're gonna be so much happier as a person and feel like you are being heard, even if they don't hear you because you get to say what you feel. Um, and I think part of that is also having confidence in yourself. For me, I started being able to advocate for myself more when I really believed in me um, and didn't feel like I had to prove it. I think they're two different things, right? Because sometimes we advocate for ourselves because we're trying to prove something versus like, what do we really need? What do we really want? And how can I communicate that in a professional, um, collaborative way? Um, and so it's something to think about. And I think the tip for that is to really look at yourself and um, figure out what it is you need and not be afraid to ask for that in a kind um, way. And sometimes you're not always gonna get it, which you know is can be frustrating in this business sometimes. But I do think the farther along we're going, the more conversations are being had. And I found that it's majorly changing. So that's really exciting. And I love what you said about leading with grace. Yeah. That's like so important as opposed to saying, this is my perspective and it's the only perspective. Right. It's like, well, let's just bring everything to the table and see what everyone thinks. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much. Of that's course. Great. Hi. Hi. Hello. Um, my name is Sina. I'm 16 years old. First of all, thank you so much for being here and answering our questions. Like, and like, I love you so much. Oh I God, love your Lord. work. I love your work so much. Thank you. Um, and I was just wondering, since you had mentioned that your first um, more professional, like regional thing was Spring Awakening, um, at that point when you got your audition for that, did you, like, how did you get there? Did you already have like an agent or did you find it online? Like, how did you decide that you were going to audition for that? Great question. It's kind of a crazy story, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I, does anyone know what like NETCs or straw hats are? It's like summer stock auditions that happen on the East Coast. And um, and I, when I started in college, all the kids said, you should audition for this. It's in Boston. You get to audition for summer stock. I did not have an agent. I had nothing. Okay. I was in Arizona. I was, right. <laughs> I did not have any sort of help with this. But they were like, you should sign up for straw hat. You'll get in. Everybody gets in. So I signed up. I booked my ticket to Boston and they rejected me. They said I wasn't ready for straw hats. And I went, oh my gosh, I, I booked my ticket to Boston. My, I, I told my parents, I don't need a birthday present or a Christmas present all year. Just get me this ticket to Boston so I can audition for summer stock. Summer stock is summer theater that happens really fast on the a lot of the times on the east coast but on the west coast too yeah we have like ish music circus. yeah music circus. <laughs> um and so i was like crying in the parking lot of the music oh, store because i was like i can't believe i didn't get an audition and my friend carly came up to me and said wait what was the date of that and i said okay it's this date and she was like on the exact same day in boston they have an open call for spring awakening <gasps> the exact Stop same it. day so i took the same flight i did <laughs> not cancel it and i auditioned for spring awakening instead of straw hats that is how I got that audition. It was an open call. So I was oh, number five okay. in the snow waiting. Like I didn't have an agent. I just went. So just an, oh my crazy? gosh. <laughs> that's like 
So kismet. Divine, right? Meant to be. What did you sing? Do you remember? I sang um, Everywhere to Me by Michelle Branch. Because oh, you couldn't that. sing from a musical, which yeah. is why you need a pop song. Even back then, you needed a pop song. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure you'll talk about it in your class, but one of the biggest things we have to tackle is how to bring character and story to a pop song. Yes. That's like such a challenge. <gasps> Maybe we should do that. It's a challenge. Yeah. It really is like, you got to pick the right I piece know. too. But that's how that started. I didn't have representation. And sorry, what did you say was the name of the one that's in on the West Coast? Oh, in Sacramento, okay. we have Music Circus. Music Circus. Yeah, that's, I mean, LA has a lot of theater, but really, <laughs> LA is where theater goes to die. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> every. You either go to LA, you either go to theater in LA and you see a tour or a wonderful production at Center Theater Group where most of the people have come from New York and you're like, this is amazing. Or you see theater where LA actors are doing monologues to get discovered by an agent. <laughs> it's very halfsies over there. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Hi, my name is Abby. I was Hi. wondering what made you transition from musical theater to film? Great oh. question. Um, so one of the things that you kind of learn as you get going in this industry is that Broadway was always my dream, right? I was like, I want to be on Broadway. But once you actually get to New York, you realize that like there's so many other things that you can do with your talents, with your art artistry, and not only can do, should do, because I wanted a full career, right? I Like I said, so I've been doing this since 2008. I made my Broadway debut in 2011. So now we're in 2022. And I've been in three Broadway shows, but I've only really been on Broadway for like a total of two years. So mm. what am I doing all that other time? I'm auditioning for other shows, but there's only so many shows and roles you're right for on Broadway. So when I got to the city, I was always interested in TV film though, For to be honest. Like I started, I would watch it and be like, wait, I want to be on that CW show. Like I see myself on that. And so I started taking classes and doing that, but it's a whole other business. Like it's a whole other group of casting directors, a whole other skill set. I know you all did scenes, right? With, um, with Danny with Pintaro. Dan yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it's a different skill set, but I wanted to be able to have a career, a long career and not just wait for the next Broadway show I was right for. And so with that, I really started diving into TV film. Um, that is really my main focus right now, personally. Um, and I also am a voice actor. So I do like cartoons and animation. Um, and I teach, so like there's just a lot to do and I think the more you can kind of expand your horizon of what you can do with your artistry, the happier you're gonna be and also the longer career that you're gonna be able to sustain, right? Thank you. Yeah. Oh, hi. Hello, sorry that's way too tall for you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm hi. Laura. I'm 10 and before I ask any questions, I just wanna say thank you for being here. You're welcome, thank you. Um, I wanted to know which show let you most connect with the other actors. That's a great question. You know, I feel like I have a special connection with each actor in each show that I do. Um, I will say Mean Girls was particularly special because it can be overwhelming and intimidating to come into a new sh to come into a show that's already existed. I came in as the only replacement. So and how long had everyone been together before um, you replaced? A year on Broadway together and and also before that when they did their out of town tryout so that's a long time yeah and usually more people leave at this stage but everybody stayed except for ashley so it was really the original broadway cast and me yeah. um so i and i got welcomed with open arms everybody was so excited to meet me and have me play with them and um we were all super connected. I will say, I think Mean Girls was the most connected, especially me and Kate, because she played Karen, and we just had a ball. We shared a dressing room, 
we're best friends now. And even at the time, like Gretchen and Karen just like shenanigans the whole show. And it was so fun. <laughs> I think literally the probably the biggest case of FOMO to date is Kate not being here today. I Marco Polo'd her last night from and I was like, you could be in this cabin with me right now. I'm so <laughs> sad you're not here. <laughs> well, she's gonna be here on via Zoom on yes. in two days. But oh my gosh, yes. exciting. Great question though. Thank you. You can tilt it back. <laughs> Thank you. Um, hi, I'm hi, I'm Cassandra, and I was wondering what like the transition felt like to go from regular theater to being on Broadway, and what like the differences. Felt yeah, like. I think once you get into so, you know, there are regional shows and regional theater, and even community theater shows that I did in Arizona that were as special as some of the shows I've done. So uh, uh, the bigger shows. I think the difference when you do a big show, a big tour, a big Broadway show is the amount of. Um, there's a pressure that comes with it that I was not used to. Um, and I say that not to scare anyone, but rather the reality of that it's, once you're on Broadway, it's a multi-million dollar business, right? So it's a different, it's art, but it's also business, which yeah. is totally different from your community theater shows or smaller regional shows. So there's a pressure that comes with um, being a good uh, colleague and being a good employee and doing your job to, uh, what you are there to do, right? Um, and that doesn't really go away, the pressure that you feel of like, but it's not like, a, oh my God, I can't do this. It's rather just like, wow, this is, I'm at the top of my field now, and I got to the top of my field at 18, so I, at that age, I was like, am I ready for this? Can I do this? Um, and you can, and you learn as you go. Um, I love when new people like make their Broadway debuts that have never been on Broadway, and everyone says, please, yes, like we're here for you, we got your back. And it really is such a collaborative art form and it is a family on those big shows. Um, the Broadway community is kind of small in that way and that we all kind of know each other or you know someone through someone and it's like one big family. So um, I would say the pressure is the thing that was the most surprising and also the um, how difficult and grueling an eight show week is and that's really hard to prep for. Um, in general, I, people always ask, like, how can I prep for an eight-show week? The only thing I could say is do eight musicals in one week. That's how you prep for an eight-show week. Literally. It's the hardest thing, I think, about our business that people don't realize is eight musicals a week on an ankle that's almost about to uh, sprain anyway, um, but you kind of still have to do it, and you're fatigued, or you had an audition earlier in the day, and maybe you sang too hard and your voice is tired. Um, it's really grueling, and it's hard to prep for. Yeah. I always think of like, I wish there was a class I could teach about how to get through an eight-show week. Just, it's impossible. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. Yeah. Um, I love when you talked about how close-knit the Broadway community is, and lately with like Tick, Tick, Boom, and with Better Nate Than Ever, we're seeing casting where it's like, I mean, when I go see a movie like that, my people who don't know Broadway are like, why do you keep squealing? And I'm like, <laughs> because that person just came on screen. Like, that person just came on screen. Is it so cool to get to play in film now with your Broadway friends? Yes, it was so, that's one of my, all the creative team, if you remember in Better Nate Than Ever, the fake creative team in it that was casting the musical, all those are Broadway actors. Um, Kayla, uh, who played the choreographer, she's in Tina Turner, the musical with my husband. And so I had known her. And so it was just so fun to be on set. A lot of the times you, you know, you're on, Blue Bloods for a day and you don't know anyone and right. that's fine too. <laughs> you just sit um, in the chair. You sit in the chair, you do yeah. your line, you go back to your trailer. It's <laughs> like, but this was really cool and it was, um, and also Tim Federley, who was our director, started his career on Broadway as a swing. I don't know if you all know his story, but he created High School Musical, the musical, the series. He's done all this amazing stuff and he started as a swing on Broadway. And so, I mean, 
talk about someone that has like made his m- own life incredible. too. Incredible. And he cares about musical theater and um, so much. And I'm so glad that he utilized us in his movie. I was so honored to be there. Yeah, it's great. That was a tick, tick, boom for me too. I was oh, just like, oh my gosh, it was so fun. All I, the cameos. And I didn't even know Kate was in it. Yeah. Oh, really? I had no idea. And I went to the theater in New York to the Paris theater. And like, it was the only time I had gone to see a movie as of late where like the audience was full on a Wednesday at two o'clock. And we were just like, all these Broadway stars coming in. And in the diner scene, the brunch scene. Oh my gosh, it was so fun. I just started crying. I was like, this is just ridiculous at this point. How sweet. (laughs) Um, Thank you for your question. question. She's like, that wasn't my question. You just kept talking. (laughs) Okay. Hi. How's your day going? Great, thank you for asking. So you said there's only one way to make it through the tours. Like, how do you take care of your, how do you take care of yourself? Like your mental, physical, and vocal health, not just in that whole period of time. Because wow. I can't imagine doing that. That's a great question. <laughs> you do learn what you know. Everybody's body and voice is different, right? So you learn what works for you. Some people don't need as much rest as others. For me, I found the things that I really needed. For me, the most important thing on those tours and in general for my vocal health is sleep. And I, (laughs) and I think people take that for granted. I don't think about the things like I, I'm not one of those singers that's like, I can't drink milk. I can't do this. I can't do that. It really rather is I need eight hours of sleep. And if I don't get it, my voice is tired. And so how can I really, um, focus on giving myself that. And so a lot of the time on tour, that would be choosing to not hang out for as long with my friends, which is hard. But for me, that was the way that I could sustain um, being able to do the things I needed to do. And then body-wise, stretching for me, um, in something like like a show like American Idiot, it was rest because that show was really hard on your body. And so like I couldn't work out during the day. But then something like Evita where I was just singing one song, I sang another suitcase in another hall and didn't do much else than that. I knew I needed to work out during the day to like get energy. Yeah. So it just depends. It really depends. And I also like little things like drinking enough water, like all that stuff that feels like oh yeah, yeah, we know that. That's actually the stuff that makes the biggest difference. Sleep, water, rest. Um, and also knowing when to take a break, when to call out and say, you know what? I cannot push this. If I push this, I'm going to roll my ankle because my ankle is hurting today. I need to call out. Um, so that's kind of how I did it. But it's different for everybody, really. You kind of learn trial and error, right? I learned a lot about my vocal health when I did the Mad Ones, which is that clip. You guys watched a clip mm-hmm. of me and Emma doing Emma. that. Um, because that was the hardest vocal show I've ever done. And I learned actually that the more I overthought it, the worse my voice got. So I just kind of chilled out and I was like, I just need to drink water and sleep and everything else will take care of itself. So that's how it works for me. Thank you so much for answering my question. Thank you so much for being here. Mm-hmm. Of course. Have a nice day. You too. Um, hi, I'm hi. Autumn, I'm 13 years old. And I was wondering, so once theater became like your job, how did you keep like, the magic in front of it without it becoming like a task that you had to do, like mm. keeping it like amazing and like fun and that kind of thing. Such a good question. Um, so it always, there's something about it. I think why I see, I mean, why I'm happy in my life too, is that I do still see it as magical, even on the nights that it's hard. And sometimes on the days that it's hard, it's just hard, just like anything, right? I can't expect always to go into the August Wilson Theater and sign my name in and feel like I'm going to be 150% because things happen. Life goes on, right? When you do a show for a year, your life still goes. So things are happening and, um, you know, personal stuff happens and you have to sort of figure out how to 
balance that, which is hard. So sometimes I think for me, when I would have a down day or feel like, oh, I just don't feel like doing this today, because that does happen, um, even the, to the best of us. Like some days you just go and you're like, I don't feel like doing this today. Like I'm tired, but you will yourself to do it. And then something like Mean Girls, it's impossible to do Mean Girls with an attitude because it's so fun and funny. And so, you know, you kind of, I almost sometimes use the show as um, almost like a meditation. Um, I was going through a really hard time during Mean Girls personally with my family. And so I remember I would step in and sort of like what you were saying about the nerves being in the back seat, my stuff that was happening in my life that was very hard to deal with, I would sort of leave at the door and use Mean Girls and the show as like a release for me personally. Um, so that was nice. But I will say sometimes it does feel like a job. And I think that's also okay. I think it's okay to feel that way sometimes. Um, and if it starts feeling like that too much, then maybe it's time to leave the show or to change it up um, or to do something different, listen to someone different um, during the show. But for the most part, I have a really good time. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, of course. Hi, my name is Winter. I'm 13. And we saw your video earlier, and I saw your self-tape. And I was wondering, like, what's your, like, best tricks for when you self-tape? And, yeah. like, how to make sure that you're not, like, too hard on yourself? <gasps> Great question. Um, you're talking about the video you just watched? Yeah. So that wasn't um, even a self-tape. At the beginning of the pandemic, the Playbill wrote to a bunch of Broadway actors and said, can you just, like, film yourself singing a song that you've always wanted to sing on Broadway? And so that's what that was. But self-tapes in general... Um, they're tricky, they play mind games with you, right? It gets like in your head, and I find singing on tape particularly challenging um, because if you do it more than a couple times, you start to get fatigued, and then you've done it 15 times, and you're like, this is just literally getting worse and worse. And you're scrutinizing yourself, and it's just like, I have a hard time with singing self-tapes. So just know that like, it's not like I go, I can't wait to self-tape this song. I remember I went in for the Wicked movie and it was like a total nightmare having to tape Defying Gravity and The Wizard and I in my tiny apartment, praying that my upstairs neighbor wasn't gonna be like, shut up. <laughs> um, so it's hard. And for me, finally, I gave myself a rule. I sing it three times, that's it. Because it's never gonna be perfect. It isn't, it's not possible. We do a medium, you know, when you're singing for a stage show on camera, it's not meant to be on camera. So we have to be okay with that and know that it's not gonna be perfect. It's gonna be flawed and that's okay. Um, and I would say do as much prep before you get in front of the camera. That's what helps me, is like really prepping. What am I gonna do with this? Where do I wanna look before you run it full out so you don't waste a take? Do you know what I mean? Um, but it's challenging. I do better with TV film sides. And the more you tape, the better you get. Cause then you start to like, the way to have spontaneity and freedom is to not plan it as much. And so you kind of just have to be free and you prep before and then you just see what happens. That's sort of how I have gotten through because self-taping is here to stay. Um, it was happening before too. I had probably like 30% self-tapes before the pandemic in general for TV film, but not as much for musicals. So um, I just say be patient with yourself and also like love your flaws a little bit. <laughs> I think if you're working with, because uh, I coach a lot of kids in self-tapes, and I think if you're working with a coach or if you have someone that you always read with, that it's like set an appointment for mm -hmm. like, okay, so at one o'clock we're going to record it. I have everything set up, and that person either comes over or calls in through Zoom, and then you're like, okay, we're going to film it twice, and you're going to pick from the two takes. Right. Because that's all you get in the audition room. And if what I keep telling my young clients is like, if we lose the ability to audition 
in one or two takes and we get used to 10 takes when we if you do go back to in person you're going to be like could i have another take and they're totally. gonna be like no <laughs> exactly. so it's it's the prep before i think as opposed to the like looking at it after yeah, I agree um, plus that. having another set of eyes on it is always so helpful to me because oh, yeah. someone's like that's literally 95% where it needs exactly. to be. Send that. And I'm like, okay. And don't watch it over and over again. I Sometimes I get in that loop and I'm like, this is so bad for me to do. Because yeah. then you s pick little things out that casting's only going to watch it once. Um, and maybe twice if they need to show somebody. They're not going to watch it 10 times. By the 10th time, you're going to see all those little things. The first time, no. So, yeah. I always feel like the ones you book are the ones you don't care about too. I know. <laughs> and then like, if you ever want an audition, I say this all the time, if you want an audition, go out of town. Like yes, so during exactly. the during the first wave of the pandemic from like March, obviously we were inside, all that was inside. September, we weren't really supposed to travel, but I drove to Colorado to see my parents in the middle of the mountains at their cabin and like landed. My dad like opened the the place I was staying. He was like, We don't really have Wi Fi, but if you go to the top of the hill and you touch a tree and hold your phone up and of course, huge guest star audition came in that day. So I literally said to Casting, like, This is a sheet in the woods and I like showed the woods and I was like so en enjoy this. Like, here we go. <laughs> Leave town if you want an audition. Yeah, truly. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, of course. Hi, my name is Jackson Evans. I am 12 years old. Um, what advice would you give to someone who's trying to bring a character and levels to a small song in a play, movie, musical, whatever? To a small song? Like, um, like a quieter song or like a... A quieter song or um, like you're doing a three-part harmony and it's harder to hear you and trying to bring more level and character to that. Oh, I see. The best, I, I understand what you're yeah. saying. He's working particularly with um, Dear Evan Hansen's... Yeah, that one. Mm -hmm. Or Forever. All I see is... Oh, gotcha. As in a group setting almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with that, I think like anything that we sing... Are you singing it by yourself or in the group? I'm singing it by myself right By now. yourself. I think that like with those songs that you know, is a, it's a harmony or sometimes I get auditions like that where it's like a duet, but you have to sing it as a solo and you're like, how yeah. do I do this? This feels so awkward. And the harmony on its own doesn't sound like a good soloist line. Yeah. Um, I think you should do everything you would do in a normal, I think in a normal solo, which is find the specificity and depth in everything you're singing. And even if it's kind of a wacko harmony where you're like, this is, feels so weird. I think still bringing all the character and development work you would do in a solo to that um, those smaller songs, the group songs, that stuff stands out. And also if you're singing in a group, um, you'd be surprised how many people are looking at you, not just looking at the soloist. So I always think about that in general is that even though it can feel like, oh, no one cares about this line or no one cares about this harmony or whatever. I think if you add the same special specificity and sparkle that you do in your soul, your big solos, that's what makes the smaller stuff really stand out. And what, what really separates people from like people that are just singing it to people that are actually doing it. Um, that's kind of how I feel about that. That's the biggest part. I think as a kid, I really saw acting as like memorization and character work and singing as like, oh, I've memorized the melody and the lyric yeah. and now I'm ready to perform it without ever doing the acting and character right. work and putting it on it. So it's something we work a lot on yeah, here yeah. Is, is the character work. Um, thank you. Of course. Hi, I'm Hi. Sydney and I'm 12 years old. I wanted to know, like, if you have an audition that's really important to you, how do you distance yourself from the audition and make it not, because I, I know if you try really, like, really too hard at an audition, it comes off as fake. Yeah. Or, and how do you keep yourself in the moment? 
without thinking about everything? That's such a good question because I'll get auditions in my inbox that I'm like, this is a dream. Oh my, I want to book this so bad. This is everything I've ever wanted. And And already the feeling of that gets you out of your like like you said, out of your free space and your response, because you're like thinking about that. Um, I think the more I've done this, the longer I've done this, a lesson that I have learned is that all those things that feel like it's gonna be the one that changes everything, there's kind of always something else that could do the same thing. So it's almost allowed me to take the pressure off of things that feel like if I don't book this, I'm never gonna, I'm never gonna do the things I wanted to do. Meaning that when some, like even when, Mean Girls came into my inbox. I was like, oh my gosh, um, this would be a huge deal for me. I've never played a principal on Broadway. Um, I've, you know, it was, it could have been, and it was pivotal to my career in a way that I knew it would have been when I was auditioning for it. And how I combated that was I focused on the work, right? Yes, we can be excited for these things that we're auditioning for. But I go back to the basics, right? Okay, if I'm excited for this, what do I need to do to do a good job? Because in the end, all these auditions feel like results. The result is I need to get it. But in the end, really, the result should be that you do good work and you go in and you show them who you are. Um, Because the amount of things I haven't gotten, like the reason that Bethany Knox at Telsey knew me and was like, she should be in for Gretchen is because over the years I had gone in for Eliza and Hamilton 12 times and never gotten it. Wow. Literally. And Bethany loves me. She always calls me in. Creative team loves me, but I just don't book it for whatever reason. Either I don't fit in with the company or I just wasn't that good that day or I'm not available for the whole thing or I don't know. Like there's a million reasons, but the reason that I got the Gretchen audition was because she knew me so well from those auditions. And I wanted to book Eliza so bad. Um, but then it turned into something that I could have never imagined, which yeah. was Mean Girls. Like I, you don't think that when you're in for your dream role, Eliza and Hamilton, yeah. that that's going to actually bring you to Gretchen Wieners and Mean Girls. Like I wouldn't have thought that. Well, don't they always say don't you don't have to book the job, you have to book the room. Exactly. And I booked the room every time with Hamilton because they they were great. It just and that's a good testament to like it's not that I wasn't good that it didn't book me the job. It just didn't work out. Yeah, I, and it didn't it work is. out 12 times. And we'll see if it ever works out. But um, I think if you see it more like as a big picture thing instead of one singular thing, but sometimes you just really want them and that's understandable completely. Yes. <laughs> There's those jobs that get away that I you're know. just like, but that was mine. I know. And then you see a poster for it and it's <gasps> Times Square and you're like, oh God, I fooled there me. It is. <laughs> I told the kids the other day I was in for uh, like the top five in Grace and Frankie season one oh. and I didn't get it and it was fine. Whatever, move on, small roll like three lines in the first season. And I was like, it doesn't matter. Then season two, season three, season four, oh season five. He just kept getting bigger and bigger. And every episode I would watch, I'm like, you should stop watching this. <laughs> I know. So you have those too. Like yeah. mine right now is um, Encanto, actually. I was very close to voicing on that. And so anytime, like when it became a big deal and there were posters all over the subway, I was like, cool. <laughs> a reminder of this every day. <laughs> but something else. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Look at that. Mm-hmm. Great question. Yeah, Thank good you. question. You should totally be Eliza Hamilton. That would be yeah. Oh my gosh, thank you. <laughs> I love, um, today you're going to get to work with the conservatory cast this afternoon, and they're doing Into the Woods. <gasps> and they're not doing Into the Woods Junior. I mean, oh we're, oh, we're doing Into the Woods. Cool. Like, they came to the very first table read, uh, 80% off book, without table, I mean, close the books, do the show. Yes. Yes. That's amazing. Get ready for these guys. But oh, uh, stepmother, Sydney Freeman, best yes. stepmother ever. Good. Tell us your question, Maddie. Uh, hi, my name is Maddie. I kind of have to stand on tiptoes to reach <laughs> this mic. But um, so my question is, D- 
do you connect with your character by like becoming them or having them become you or like Ooh. both? Like, do you channel your memories into the songs or do you make the characters' memories your own? Because that's something that I've really been like thinking about. Yes, that's such a good question. Um, so it's different for every actor. For me personally, my way in that has worked for me best is what you first said, which is bringing my memories into the character. Um, specifically for Gretchen, when I was prepping for Gretchen Wieners, I found her in me by remembering the people that really bullied me in high school. And I didn't have a Regina, but I had, you know, I think her name was Jamie. Um, and I would think of Jamie when Regina, when I knew that I was reacting to Regina and when I was singing What's Wrong With Me. But then it's interesting as you get into the show, so that was more for like audition prep to like drop myself in. But then you are kind of correct in the sense that then Gretchen's memories became mine too. Because as I did the show for the 300th time, I kind of would think about Regina instead of thinking about Jamie. Because they kind of, the reason that Regina to the audience is so specific is because I was thinking of a specific thing that worked for me, which was my experience with this girl, Jamie. Um, but I think for me in audition prep, the, the more specific I can get in auditions is actually um, finding replacements for me from previous things. And sometimes though an audition comes where I don't have anything to pull from, um, so then I'll obviously use the character. But it kind of depends on you. The thing I'm always looking for in these auditions and prepping characters is how can I drop into this in an authentic way? Um, and not feel like I'm putting something on, but rather bringing them into me. Um, and also though, with saying that, you're also, I'm playing Gretchen Wieners. I'm not playing Christina. So it's this interesting balance. Um, but for me, what works is actually bringing in a lot of my, um, you know, what makes me anxious, right? I know what makes Gretchen anxious, but what makes Christina anxious? Because then the anxiety in Gretchen's eyes becomes mine. So it's sort of this weird kind of combo of that. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, someone said once that we're, we create magic, but we're not magicians. Yeah. So it's sort of like you can't actually switch places <laughs> right, <laughs> the character, but the more you can bring, especially I think when you have little amounts of time, like in auditions, mm -hmm. where it's like the auditions in 24 hours, find the thing you can connect to the fastest. Exactly, because you are—you've been working on you for all these years, so to bring that forward in an audition is so exactly. important. And that's why by show 300, I was more thinking about Regina because I had been literally looking at Taylor for 300 shows and Regina. So yeah, then yeah. Regina becomes. And then I almost became more Gretchen by the time. But you're right, those 24-hour yeah. auditions where they're like, hey, come and just be exactly who we need you to be in 24 hours. Yeah. You're like, okay, uh. what's the fastest way I can get this done? And when they're like, MPS, we're not going to tell you what we want. I know. Oh, great. Exactly. Oh, you're like, cool, oh, okay. Good. Two adjectives. Great. Thank you, Maddie. <laughs> yeah, great, thank question. You. great question. Hi, Armand. Hi, I'm Armand. Um, I'm 13. Um, my sister and parents went to the Mean Girl show um, on Broadway. They didn't invite me, but um, my question is, um, what was like the timing schedule for like practicing rehearsals and stuff? Like oh, the yeah, timing? timing for rehearsals before you open on a show. Oh, that's a great question. It's different for each show. I felt like I had a luxurious process with, with Mean Girls. I got three weeks. That's a long time. Um, when I made my Broadway debut in American Idiot, I had six days. Wow. Um, to learn the show, and I made my Broadway debut in six days. It was really, really fast. Huh? Um, it was insane. And how much of that, not to interrupt, but I just want to no, know, no, how please. much of that is with the team and how much of that is with yourself? So as a replacement, you're basically with the dance captain and with the stage managers. That's who you're learning the show with and the associate director who sets the show. Okay. Um, and 
it depends. Like you're in 10 to six rehearsals and then you watch the show at night. So it is a full time. It's weird. Rehearsals to replace in a Broadway show are intense because you wake up in the morning, you go to rehearsal from 10 to six, you go have dinner, you watch the show, you get home, you kind of have to go over stuff and then go to bed, wake up and do it again. Um, especially when you have to do it as fast as I did with American Idiot. Now with Mean Girls, they gave me three weeks, which was awesome because I was able to slow down, really learn the show, um, take a couple nights off sometimes, not watch the show, just let it kind of, you know, um, find itself in me. But it's sometimes that fast. So anytime you have a chance to practice learning something quicker than you, you know, even if someone says, you have two months to prep and memorize this, maybe see if you can memorize it in a week instead of two months. Um, just even practice with your, getting your brain working a little bit faster. Um, but yeah, for me, it was three weeks. Um, I got my script a week before that. So a total of four weeks with the script and then three weeks of rehearsal. Wow, great question. Yeah, good question. This will be our last question for now, but the good news is we have this afternoon and we have all tomorrow, Yay! which is so great for you to stay. You can tilt the mic down towards your mouth if you want. There you go. Um, hi, hi, my name is Yeva and I'm 11. And my question is, um, is your name like common in Arizona? And my like, name? <laughs> is it supposed to like be spelled like that? Because yeah. my mom's name is spelled like that, and she's from Ukraine. Oh my it's gosh! Almost spelled like that. Oh. Cool. You mean Christina? Yeah. I love yes. that. Um, I don't know why my name is, but I always used to ask my mom, um, and she never really had a good answer other than she thought it looked cool, and also like English was her fourth language. So I sometimes am like, she probably thought it was spelled with a Y, and so she just stuck a Y in there. Right. <laughs> um, but no, I don't know. It doesn't have specific, I'm um, half Mexican and half Lebanese. My mom was from Lebanon, my dad is from Mexico. Nice. Um, and so yeah, I don't actually have a good answer for that, but that's kind of funny. I think I sometimes think it's because um, my mom did not speak <laughs> the best English. <laughs> That's so fun. I love it. And your mom's name is also spelled with a Y? Um, no, it's spelled oh. K-H-Y, um, K-H-Y-N-A, wait, no, <laughs> K-H-Y-S-T-Y-N-A. Oh. Wow. Very Good, interesting. I love that. That's cool. great. My mom always told me that she was a first grade teacher when I was born, and she told me that she's chose S-H-A-W-N because it was the Irish spelling, which is absolutely not true. <laughs> so from like first grade to like eighth grade, people would be like, why do you spell it that way? And I'm like, it's the Irish spelling. And probably everyone was like, oh, that poor simple kid. Like he has no idea. <laughs> then found out later it was the female spelling. And I was like, I don't care. Just, I think it's phonetic. I let New Yorkers always get it. There was like, Shuan. Shuan. That's how it's supposed to be spelled. Thank you for your question, yeah, Yeva. You. That was a great question. Thank you. Um, we want to thank the fabulous um, Sophie on camera over here. Give it up for Sophie. And the remarkable Gabe, who is probably floating all around, Gabe Rowland. And our fabulous producer, AJ Hamilton, up there. Personally, I'd like to give a shout out to the entire staff of the Young Actors Theater Camp. They are really killing it this week for you all. And thank you, Sean, for hosting. Thank you. I will take a thank you as well. <laughs> Nothing else. And our fabulous guest today, Christina Alabato. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> Come on. I mean, it's, Christina Alabato is just... 
there were so, so, so many things in this interview that are going to, I'm going to re-listen to this like I did episode one over and over again, just to not just get the inspiration every day, but to get all of those things that we're supposed to be doing as artists down and just continue to practice. She's a true pro. It's so cool to see everything yeah. in, in from from the eyes of a professional, like you say, and from to to know that she's a human being too. You know, we put people up on on a pedestal, but she was so down to earth and so wonderful, and just had so many pieces of wisdom to give those kids. It was fantastic. The other cool part about Christina is, as Val knows, she's already said she's going to come back to YATC. She's like, I'm part of this home forever, so we cannot wait to have her come back. And speaking of coming up. At YATC. We have so many amazing things happening uh, in the fall. We've got two different camps that are a weekend and week long. And then, of course, our famous winter film lab camp, which is, I mean, it's just on fire. This is going to be our, our, what, sixth or seventh year, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Crossing everything, yeah. going to the Cannes <laughs> Film Festival with at least one or two of the films. Ooh, France. Have about 10 submissions from students for uh, films to make at winter camp, and they're all so solid and so great. Um, so I can't wait to see the transformation of those scripts and then have us fully produce them and take them off to Cannes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take Put it every- over. Pulling everything together, just like Christina said. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast with all of our incredible episodes with the most talented guests. Follow us on all of our socials at CampYTC on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter to keep updated on all the news and goings on with camp throughout the year. And a huge congrats to all of you listening, whether you're parents or family members of an actor, whether you're one of the performers or artists that attends Young Actors Theater Camp, or whether you just want to get some extra knowledge. I mean, congrats to you for doing the research, because while most of your friends are at home binging Netflix, you're learning how to be on it. So congrats. Heck yeah. See you on the next episode, everybody. We'll see you at camp.